The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm just getting warmed up. Nice. <laughs> you sounded suspiciously like Al Pacino there. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Man, you really do some great, uh, great fun. Now, I know you do voices. I remember hearing you at WCBM. Uh, uh, yes, I do. For those of you who don't know how I know Joe, I ran an office for office in Maryland, and Joe still works uh, for a morning show there, one of the bigger shows, WCBM. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do an interview, and I'm talking to him, and I had listened to that morning news station forever, and I'm like looking around. I'm like, hey, who does that character, the colonel? Do the colonel for him. I, 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 see, I, I, I see, you know, I, I, do, I do that voice, uh, Mr. Bongino. I had no idea it was Joe. I'm like, man, that guy's pretty funny. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm the colonel. I'm like, you're the colonel. He does all these voices at CBM. So Joe is a... Uh, Joe, you, you make me laugh with all that stuff. I did the colonel in a restaurant one day to, to whoever I was with. I must have had four people come over. Where's the colonel? Where's the, the colonel? They know. They know you from CBM. <laughs> that, in fact, funny. was the real Al Pacino. The Joe skill. I think yeah. that's obvious. Joe has tremendous skills, but apparently not. That's, I mean, that would be pretty amazing <laughs> if you pulled that one off. Oh, man. All right. A lot to talk about today. I teased it yesterday in the show. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get to it, but I've got a couple stories to cover on this socialism thing with the Democrats, which I just don't understand. They will not let this disastrous, deadly, torturous, uh, starvation, depravity, sick, tragic idea. Was that thorough enough? Uh, yeah. Socialism go. And it's uh, infuriating. So I'm going to get to that. And then I'm going to get this other thing, which is going to kind of blow your mind. I promise. Not kind. It's going to blow your mind. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddy, My Patriot Supply. Our, our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Hey. In case you think I'm, my wife hates when I say that. I'm a big hey guy. I'm sorry. I don't mean it disrespectfully. It's a Queens thing. Hey, hey, you got my attention. I do it all the time. I'm not kidding when I tell you I just ordered another case of My Patriot Supply Emergency Food. I'm not making this up. I don't spin my audience's wheels. I pay, I could probably email them and get some freebies if they want to send some. But I order my own stuff. This is how much I believe in this product, My Patriot Supply and our emergency food. This is like my eighth or tenth box. They could probably tell you. Hey, when an emergency strikes. Hey. <laughs> Enough with the haze. When an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is to run to the grocery store, you'll likely find chaos and nothing but empty shelves. How do you avoid this? It's simple. You use today to make a plan to prepare. One practical place to start is storing up food in your home. I trust and use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. You can too, so you'll be ready for earthquakes, hurricanes, long-term power outages, and more. Here's a great special that makes it simple. Each person in your household should have a two-week emergency food supply for My Patriot Supply. I have like four or five of these, I think, now for each person in my household. It's some, uh, it's some, I have a bunch of this stuff. These kits are only $75 right now and contain 92 servings of breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Take action. Call 888-411-8926 or go to my special website, preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com, preparewithdan.com, or call 888-411-8926. The food lasts up to 25 years in storage. Meal comes, meals come packed in a rugged, slimline tote, only $75. Rest tonight you're knowing you're prepared. Go to preparewithdan.com or 888-411-8926. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the... The Democrats are having a real issue right now. The Democrat Party's in crisis. And what mm -hmm. I find interesting about the Democrat Party being in crisis, I, I'm trying to get away from calling them the Democratic Party because there's nothing Democratic about them anymore, 
is whenever there's a crisis in the Republican Party, a schism between the Tea Party, you've seen this, Joe, um, and, and, and it, what, what, I don't know what you'd call it, establishment leadership, it becomes national media news forever. Yeah. Uh, Republicans in crisis, Republicans falling mm. apart, Republicans at each other's throats. Ah, Republicans. But this crisis in the Democrat Party, although they're covering it, they're covering it lightly, but I'm telling you it's more serious than you know. I actively troll liberal Twitter accounts. I'm on liberal email lists. And the crisis right now is what do we do about this socialism trend? Now, Democrats are not stupid. Radical liberals, a lot of them are. The Democrat Party, the establishment swamp rat Democrats are not dumb, Joe. There's been a a rapprochement, let's say. There's been this agreement for a long time within the Democrat Party that they know socialism is an abysmal, dangerous, deadly economic failure. Uh, and and, it's, a, and it, it's a human crisis in the making. They know that. Mm-hmm. You may say, no, they don't, Dan. No, I'm, trust me on this. The, I'm talking about, Joe, the establishment swamp rats in D.C. Mm-hmm. The Pelosi, the old Harry Reid crowd, the Chuck Schumer crowd. Trust me when I tell you, off the record, they absolutely know socialism will lead to death and destruction. They understand that. Mm-hmm. So their goal is what Kevin Williamson, a guy who doesn't really like me very much, but you know what, whatever. He wrote a decent book not that long ago. What was it like the Idiot's Guide to Socialism or something? Where he talks about how this agreement, this kind of, this, this peace deal they made with the socialist show and the Democrat Party has been... All right, we'll accept the socialists. The, we'll accept big government, but we won't accept socialism. In other words, we'll let capitalism exist. We will. We won't pursue our socialist dreams of a government plan to run economy, but we'll tax it to death. So he calls it in his book the new socialism. In other words, we won't try to confiscate and steal the means of production, steal your land, and steal your businesses. Mm-hmm. We'll just tax and regulate the snot out of them. It's a good book. It's actually written in a kind of funny, sarcastic kind of way often. It's an older book, but it's very good. Meanwhile, keep in mind, this guy does nothing but take shots at me on Twitter and I promote his book. But it's a good book and I'm trying not to make things personal. No, I'm serious. He's like, a, you know, the guy, whenever he gets an opportunity, I think I blocked him because I got tired of him. But the book is very good. And he talks about this new form of socialism. And the best way to explain it, Joe, if this doesn't make sense, please let okay. me know. Old school socialism is obvious. The government comes in controls the means of production, takes your farm, takes your land, and runs it. Okay. What you're seeing right now in South Africa, where the government has now, and I have an article in the show notes today about this, the government has now started confiscating farms of uh, white landowners for redistribution. That would be old school socialism, right? New school socialism is, we don't have to confiscate your business or your farm. If we tax it, in other words, we get all, most of the money from it because we're taxing you, and we regulate it to death. In other words, we institute a, a, a number of government regulations telling you how you can and can't run it. We have de facto socialism without having to own your business. Now, what's the benefit of that, Joe? The benefit's quite simple when you think yeah. it through. I just told you the Democrats, the Pelosi, Schumer crowd, they know socialism's a disaster. If they were to confiscate and control the means of production and support a system that does that, to be more precise, they understand the system would collapse like it has everywhere, like it's going to in South Africa, like it had in Zimbabwe, like it had in the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. in China before they tried some attempt at market reforms. And then who who gets the blame? Exactly who got the blame in the Soviet Union, the government. Mm -hmm. 
So they understand that there's this new socialism out there where we better not confiscate the property and confiscate the businesses outright because we have no capability to run them. So if we do this tax and regulatory scheme where we tax them, the tax the snot out of them and regulate them to death, we effectively own them anyway. And then if they fail, we get to do what, Joe? Blame it on capitalism. Yeah. Right. Blame it on the business. Blame it on capitalism. Mm hmm. So Williamson covers that in his book, and it's it's well done. It's really well done. You're mm. seeing now, folks, this what I'm, the the difference in this. You're seeing the new socialism versus the old socialism. And I have two articles in the show notes today. One, one's about Elizabeth Warren. It's a Lewis Woodhill piece in Real Clear Markets, and it's a very good one. Elizabeth Warren is proposing an absolutely outrageous, preposterous, insane idea. Um, now Elizabeth Warren, uh, who's never been known for proposing uh you know uh, rational ideas out there <laughs> no but she's proposing to put forth a new position it's a bill the bill's not going to get more than 10 votes in the senate but still it speaks to the insanity of the democrat party they understand what's happening in south africa the outright confiscation of land and in venezuela the confiscation of businesses is a broken model so what do they do she inter- she introduces i love the flowery names of this crap too joe the Accountable Capitalism Act. Oh, doesn't that sound peachy? <laughs> the Accountable Capitalism Act. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, we, she should really call it the, uh, the Let's Try to Replicate Soviet Union Socialism Act. This thing is total, complete garbage. It would create an office of U.S. corporations, and it would give the director some pretty profound powers to re- basically redistribute capital from America's largest companies into uh, what what the progressives think are their more beneficial causes. Now, Matty Iglesias from Vox, who is uh, about as radical a leftist, and I mean, a guy who just is a total conspiracy theorist who gets nothing right uh, practically ever, but he always is a source of good humor for the show. Matty Iglesias from Vox covered this new bill, of course, in glowing fashion. Here's a quote from him. In, it's in the in the Woodhill piece, by the way. Elizabeth Warren has a big idea that challenges how the Democratic Party thinks about solving the problem of inequality. Instead of advocating for expensive new social programs like free college or health care, she's introducing a bill on Wednesday, the Accountable Capitalism Act, that would redistribute trillions of dollars from rich executives and shareholders to the middle class without costing a dime. Wow. Without costing a Joe, what a deal. The yes. middle class going to get all this money and it's not going to cost anyone anything. One, that shows you how really ridiculous the intellectual vacuum goofballs like Matty Iglesias and Vox live in. It's going to think about what he just said. Mm-hmm. It's going to redistribute hundreds of billions of dollars into programs like, but it's not going to cost anybody anything. The money fairy exists in the mind of Matty Iglesias and Vox because they're, 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 they're idiots. These are not these are not intelligent people. They may pretend they're intelligent, but these are ridiculous. This is garbage. Now, read the piece because Woodhill covers exactly what would happen on this. Once allocation of capital within a company is determined by the United States Office of U.S. Corporations and its director, rather than the shareholders that actually own the company and the board, Woodhill does a calculation that he believes it would wipe out approximately a small sliver of U.S. companies, Joe. It would wipe out 45%, just a tad. Yeah, he believes it would wipe out up to 13.5, not 3.5, not 1.35, $13.5 trillion in value of the largest U.S. companies. 
based strictly on the fact that these companies would now not be able to allocate their capital towards value-adding activities, whatever it may be, employee compensation, capital investment, dividend distribution to shareholders of the company, investment in other companies. Remember, capital can only be allocated a few ways, right? If a company makes money, Bongino Inc., whatever it is, it can consume it, invest it, or spend it. Right. I can consume it on my own, basically spend it, give it out as dividends if I'm a publicly traded company. I can consume it on, you know, whatever, however I decide. If I want to pay back my shareholders, bump up my stock price. If I want to, you know, if I don't have any good investments within the company or other companies, fine. That's what you can do. You can invest it. You can invest it on in other companies. So you can consume it, invest it, or you can spend it. Meaning you can spend it on capital. You can spend it on capital producing projects. You can spend it on, you know, new t-shirt lines and whatever. You can invest in your companies, get better equipment, buy new computers. But the money doesn't disappear. And although Matty Iglesias, who is really a conspiracy theorist uh, loon at this point, Matty Iglesias, although he believes that you can fabricate money out of thin air to give out, that's not what happens. You can invest it in, you can consume it. By taking that money, taking it in, and basically having the company, which is owned by the shareholders, take it back. Pension funds, middle class folks, even wealthy folks who own, who own stock. You can invest it in other companies. You could take your money and say, well, we don't have any projects right now, but I think Joe's company, we can invest in them right now. Mm-hmm. Or you can spend it. You can spend it on building your own business, getting new factories, new equipment, whatever it may be for growth in the future. The fourth option is not give it to the government and give control of it to have the U.S. government allocated towards their big government wants and needs. This is nothing but a sop for Elizabeth Warren to liberal voters out there for her 2020 presidential run to try to make pretend she's to the left of Bernie Sanders. That's 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 absolutely what this is. I'm on a new green tea craze these days. I believe I'm I'm I don't know what it is, but I feel every time I drink green tea, I feel really good. So. Hmm. But this, do you understand how this is the new socialism in Williamson's book? This is what he's talking about, Joe. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be Maduro or Chavez's Venezuela where you confiscate the business. If you tax and regulate it to death and you institute, Joe, the office of U.S. corporations and a director to make yeah. capital allocation decisions, who's mm-hmm. better than you? You're a liberal Democrat. You effectively run the company anyway by taxing and regulating it to death through your office of U.S. corporations. But when the company fails, which they will inevitably do, what do you do? You do what Maduro, Chavez, and every other tyrannical, murdering, communist, socialist, tyrant, thug has ever done. You blame what? The speculators and the capitalists after you destroy the economy. It is not my fault. That's what they do every time. That's what they do every time, comrade. Comrade Joe, every single time. Now, what's Venezuela doing right now? Hmm. Venezuela is in the process right now because of out of control inflation. Let me flip the page because I was going to cover this yesterday, but I got so involved in that story. Sometimes I miss out. Venezuela, Joe, is chopping five zeros off of its currency. Uh, They're going to institute a new sovereign bolivar. Because inflation in Venezuela, it's up a little bit, Joe. It's up 
61,463%. Just a tad, Joe. Just a drop. A drop in the bucket. Brutal. So, Venezuela, because they have enacted socialist policies. Now, remember with socialism, what Venezuela did was a harder, was a hard socialism, not the new socialism Williamson refers to, where you don't confiscate the company, you just tax and regulate it to death, like Warren's proposing, right? Mm -hmm. Venezuela actually went in and said, no, no, this is now our business. Here's how this is going to roll, right? They took over the a lot of the oil businesses, some grocery chains. They actually instituted a hard form of socialism. Well, what happens, folks? The same thing that happens every time. Socialists don't have the expertise to run a business. That's why they work in government, not in the business world. These people are stupid. Not only are they stupid, they're power hungry and dangerous. So they come in and they bankrupt these businesses. When they bankrupt these businesses, what happens? The government has to then provide more money to people to go out there because you work for the government in a socialist economy. So the government has to institute payment schemes to the people. In form of a form of government salaries, government jobs, um, government stipends. Well, what eventually happens, Joe? Where do you think the money in a capitalist economy, in a free economy, the money mm-hmm. to support these programs comes from? Businesses, right? Yes, that is right. This is right. So the citizenry, through successful businesses, this is kind of I'm going back to kind of the peace deal the Democrats made a little while ago. I'm not talking about the radical Democrats. Again, I'm talking mm. about the swamp rats. The peace deal they made is well, like capitalism exists because capitalism is ultimately going to fund this. It's going to fund our stream of welfare programs we want. Right. So if you institute hard socialism where there is no capitalism and the government takes over the business, what happens to the business? They run the business into the ground. The, the business is done. They don't have the expertise or the skill. Venezuela was once one of the richest countries in South America. It is now they're eating pigeons because the government took over the businesses and the government doesn't have the skills to run the businesses who now are not running effective businesses, which means they're not paying taxes, which means the social programs that the socialists want to institute are not financed. So what happens next? What happens next is, Joe, the government, which has a monopoly over the printing press, does what? the printing press starts running 24 hours a day to print new money for the government to give to people through the form of social welfare programs and other socialist dreams, free this, free that. You may say, okay, problem solved. Government gets to print new money. Well, what happens when you print more money and it's not backed by any added value in the economy? Well, more money is chasing the same amount of goods. But, but, but. Unlike capitalism, where inflation is still a problem, what makes it even worse in socialism and why inflation is 61,000, just so I'm getting this right, 463% in Venezuela right now, is unlike in capitalism, Joe, where the United States still prints money through quantitative easing, what we were doing. Believe me, we're not free of this either. At least the United States, through this peace deal the democrats have made with the swamp that all right we'll let capitalism exist we're just going to tax and regulate it to death at least the economy is still growing and producing more products maybe not at the rate we'd want it to especially under the obama years but it is still growing which Mm -hmm. keeps inflation in check somewhat when you're venezuela joe and you're printing the snot out of money and that money is not only chasing the same amount of goods but less goods now what happens the price you fetch for those goods is through the roof folks is a very simple way to explain this if there are five computers in an economy 
and ten dollars, right? Mm-hmm. The maximum amount of money those computers could fetch in that closed economy, which a lot of these socialist economies are due to capital controls, the maximum amount of money it could command, what two dollars per computer? I, it's a simple example, but roll with it because the, the simplicity does not refute the premise of it. Okay. There's $10 in an economy circulating around. If there's only five computers, the maximum amount would be $2. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is a socialist system. It's not a price system. Okay. In a price system, the maximum amount, each if there's $10 in an economy, that e- one computer could fetch would be what? Ten dollars, because yeah. one computer might be really, really good, and they price it, and the other four may suck. But that's not the way socialism works. This is socialism is all about redistribution and equality, equality and misery and poverty, from each according to their abilities to each according to their needs. That is the very essence of socialism. But do you get it? How the computer in the United States could fetch each computer could fetch uh, a computer could fetch ten dollars in a redistribution system is two dollars each. So what happens when you print a boatload of money in a socialist system, right? Say you print, all right, we need all this money to pay off all these social programs. Say they print $100 more. So now you have $110. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, each computer can command a whole lot more money. The problem is there's only five computers. There's still only five computers, if not less. Because maybe one gets given to a connected oligarch. Do you get where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. There's more and more and more paper money, Joe, chasing the same and fewer amount of products, meaning the prices go up and up and up and up and up and up and up. First, we wanted $2, then $10, and $20, and $50, and $100. That's how you get hyperinflation. Hmm. It's a monetary phenomenon. Folks, this is important because liberals don't seem to get this. They seem to think money can be fabricated by some kind of a money fairy. That like Matty Iglesias, we, you see him right. Oh, look at this. We can give away all this free stuff and it's not going to cost anybody anything. Well, dude, are you, are you sane? Are you an even, even a rational human being? So in order to counter, Joe, the massive price increases in Venezuela from the inflation because they're printing money, but they're not making any more goods. Mm -hmm. So more money is chasing fewer goods, which leads to price increases. What did the government say? Again, instead of letting economic freedom figure it out, the government said, I got an idea. We are going to raise the minimum wage 6,000%, demanding companies to pay more. Gosh. Folks, the, the stupid, I know I know the stupid is heavy here, but this, this is for your socialist friends who don't understand basic economics. I'm talking about second grade level economics here. Well, Joe, problem solved. Inflation's <laughs> rampant. Everything's expensive. So we'll just order companies to pay more. What's ironic is they do that. As they institute a nationwide price control system and a tax hike on the same companies. So let's just be straight about what's going on in Venezuela here. To show Again, my whole point yeah. is to show you why far-left radicals like Elizabeth Warren are still extremely troublesome when it comes to ideology, right? Mm-hmm. But why they understand that the new socialism, in their mind, is far superior to the old socialism. Because the old socialism is for complete imbeciles. Print a lot of money. Take over the companies that produce the goods. 
They have no expertise to produce the goods, so less goods are produced. More money is now chasing fewer goods. The cost of those goods, therefore, goes through the roof because people need more money to buy those goods because there's less goods and more money. Government comes in, tries to solve the problem, says, well, just go ahead and pay people more. Minimum wage up 6,000%. The companies go, we can't afford to pay people more. We don't have any money as is. The price keeps going up. The government comes in and goes, that's fine. We'll take your company over too. And we'll institute a price control to prevent other companies from charging your employees high prices for the goods. Companies cannot make any money. More companies go under. The government comes in and takes them over too. And then what happens? People don't want to work because the companies are losing money. These are people who've invested in these companies. These are small businesses, large businesses. These companies, the employees don't want to work because they're not getting paid anymore. Then what happens? Then comes the force. Why socialism always leads to brutal violence, political jailing, speech suppression, and the violation of big R rights and freedom is because the end road of socialism is always now you will be forced to work. Look at the great famine in China. You look at the gulags in the Soviet Union. You will work. If you don't work, we will kill you or we will jail you or we will starve you. One of the great ironies of the Chinese famine is one of Mao and their lieutenants, their sayings was, you know, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. That's kind of interesting, isn't it, Joe? Because it's the socialists who believe they're being benevolent to the poor and starving when the motto and credo of socialism is we will starve you to death if you don't work for us. You don't find any irony in that at all. (laughs) I, I, I mean, folks, look what the South Africa story. There's a South Africa right now. They are confiscating land from white landowners and even employees of the landowners who happen to be black are saying this is a really bad idea because now people are rushing to sell their land in South Africa, Joe, doing what? Trying to get out right. before the value of their land collapses. Because why? Because the government confiscates it and now nobody even wants their land. So the entire value of these lands and farms in South Africa overnight was almost wiped out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what socialism is. Are you confused about this? Incredible. Okay, um, I want to get to that story because it's really terrific. And I've got some other stuff I want to get to um, at the end. So don't go anywhere. Today's show... Also brought to you by, I just found, I saw a really cool ad for them in Manhattan. Paul is like, hey, they're one of your sponsors. Indochino, Indochino. Hey, listen, I've, if you had, have you tried to buy, you know, suits sometimes off the rack? Yeah. If you're like me, and Joe's a pretty big guy too, and you work out, we do. Um, it's tough. They don't make suits for guys, you know, like us. And I'm not talking about like super jacked buffed guys. I mean, I'm not like a professional bodybuilder or anything. I mean, they make them for a pretty standard guy. Well, most of us aren't standard and the stuff looks like crap. So it's off the rack stuff is no good. These generic off the racks, no good. NG. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. <laughs> Look sharp. Indochino is what I use. I have to use it because my measurements are a little off. My shoulders are a little broader than my waist, and suits look ridiculous when I buy them off the rack. Not with Indochino. You will look tight. Tight, baby. Bring it together. Everybody looks better in a sharp suit. 
I could never stand when I was working in my prior line of work and guys would show up in the advance looking sloppy. I'm sorry. I'd be like, guys, you got to get it together. We're representing the United States on foreign soil. Get it together. Tighten it up. Tighten it up. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company. It has been featured in major publications, including GQ, Forbes, and Fast Company. It's because you'll never look better than in their suits. Never. You will not. It's not even possible. They make suits and shirts made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and the option to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and monogram. Little monogram on the sleeve. You like that? Little DJB? What's your middle initial, Joe? M. Little JMA? Yeah, baby. Or a little JBD? Joey Bag of Donuts? Maybe that. What do you think of those melons, huh? Here's how it works. Can't get any easier. Visit a showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com. Pick your fabric, choose your customization, submit your measurements, wait for your custom suit to arrive in just a few weeks. That's it. That's it. Simple as that. You like that? You should like it. Because Indochino's the best out there. There's nothing like it. You ever see me on TV looking sharp? Indochino, babe. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Indochino.com. Hey, got a deal for you. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379. Come on, where are you going to beat that? Go to Indochino.com and enter Bongino at checkout. Bongino. Promo code Bongino at checkout. That's 50% off. 5-0 off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. You'll never look better. Plus, shipping is free. Don't take chances with this off-the-rack stuff. Huge mistake. Go to Indochino.com. Use promo code Bongino. Any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. That is an unbelievable deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself off the rack. Indochino.com. <laughs> Dude, is that the funniest yeah. read ever? It's true, though. They're great. We were in Manhattan. My wife's like, oh, Indochino, check it out. Because they had a big sign up there. She's like, hmm. we love them. I said, I know. They're one of our sponsors. See me looking tight on TV? Got together? Tight? Hey. Tight? Remember the Austin Powers movie? <laughs> tight. Tight. That's Indochino, babe. Go there. Don't buy this off the rack stuff. You look like a football player. What do you got? Shoulder pads in there? You got seven, eight inch shoulder pads going on that suit? For- get, get rid of that. You got to keep it tight. <laughs> yeah it's good you won't regret it take a picture send them over send send me a tweet you're in those you know suit you're gonna look incredible all right so on a serious note because you know me i can always shows quickly go off the rails with me but that's the best part about it i have a lot of fun this is my it's everything to me folks so yesterday i kind of hinted at this how there was a Big Jeff Carlson uh, with the markets work and Epic Times who writes some really great stuff. I have another great piece from him in the show notes today, by the way, and and an epic piece that I put together with Matt Palumbo, one of my writers at Bongino.com. It'll be in the show notes. It's called All Roads Lead to Hillary Clinton. It is basically a brief synopsis of what you will find in my new book, Spygate, which is available for pre-order on Amazon. I said to Matt, we got to put together a 700 words or less piece that describes how just about everybody connected in the Spygate case is connected somehow to Hillary Clinton. And I thought, Joe, of, remember that game? What is it? Seven Degrees of yes. Kevin Bacon? Mm-hmm. Any actor somehow connected to Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. through seven movies? I thought Seven Degrees of Hillary Clinton. Everyone in the Spygate case is somehow connected to Hillary. So Matt wrote a little synopsis piece, which is in the show notes today. Please read it. It's so good. 
It's also going to cover some of this stuff. There is a very, very suspicious piece of missing information in a Mueller charging document and some of the documents produced by the FBI regarding Papadopoulos. Why does this matter? Ladies and gents, what's been our operating premise here for the last few months? Papa Dizzle, George Papadopoulos was set up. Low-level guy in the Trump campaign was considered an easy, you know, easy pickings for the Democrats who are looking to frame and set up the Trump team. Right. They target Papadopoulos. They send a bunch of spies at him. It is simply amazing how many people have contacted George Papadopoulos with suspicious foreign ties after he joined the Trump team. You would have to be an idiot to think this was all coincidental. Matter of fact, Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller Show has another piece in the show notes today about an Israeli who approaches Papadopoulos. This is like guy number... 7,422 who has approached Papadopoulos <laughs> since he joined the Trump team to try to give him money or get him to do something. It's incredible. Papa D is a pretty popular dude, man. <laughs> Papa Dizzle. Papa Dizzle. Popular Dizzle, Woo-hoo. man. This guy, everybody loves Papa Dizzle. <laughs> Somehow it must have gotten out there in the Clinton sphere that this guy was going to be their target. Whether it was because he didn't have as much experience as some other foreign policy advisors and other campaigns, they needed to set up the the Trump team and Papa Dizzle's their guy. So, whereas all roads seem to lead to Hillary, a lot of those roads before the exit ramp have exits before it ends that exit at another guy as well. I guess there's a confusing way to say it. All roads lead to Hillary. The halfway point in those roads lead to a Russian. (laughs) There's a Russian, Oleg Deripaska, I've been talking about on this show frequently, who has some just odd, straight up strange ties to this case. Now, of course, all are innocent until proven guilty, even if you're Russian. I'm just telling you what we know so far and why this is so interesting. All right, let me go to this. Uh, Let's see. So I discussed yesterday how Papadopoulos and his arrest was suspicious, but here we go. In the Mueller Mueller version, the Mueller version version that describes what Papadopoulos did, I warned Joe before, by the way, folks, and I I said to him, this is going to be confusing, so you need to be the audience ombudsman here. So Joe's going to speak up for you if I lose you for a minute. Okay. There there was an FBI agent, last name Gibbs, that interviews Papadopoulos, okay? He has a version of his events that's been documented. There's also in charging documents Mueller's version of events. They are very similar. Carlson points this out in his piece, which I have in the show notes, okay? Yeah. What's suspicious is where those two versions of the interviews with Papadopoulos deviate. We tracking? Mm-hmm. They're almost, let's say, 99% the same. Mm-hmm. But they differ in key, key moments. Here's one of them. This is a, uh, from, the, from the FBI's version. On or about July 22nd, 2016, Papadopoulos messaged Foreign Contact 2 on Facebook to ask whether Foreign Contact 2 knew a particular individual with extensive ties to a Russian-based business and to Russian-based businesses and persons. Papadopoulos asked Foreign Contact 2 if you know any background of him that is noteworthy before I see him, kindly send uh, kindly send my way. So remember, the FBI is making a case that Papadopoulos is making suspicious contacts with Russian-connected people, right? right? Mm-hmm. 
This is the FBI agent's version. Okay. That foreign contact too is a guy with by the last name of Timothy, who you've heard before, Ivan Timothy, who they allege in the Mueller document is connected to the Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So to be clear, the, what I just read to you is the FBI agent's version of his interview, uh, his interview summary with Papadopoulos, where he he indicates that Papadopoulos reaches out to this guy Timothy, mm-hmm. who's connected to the Russians for information. On another guy with, quote, extensive ties to Russian-based businesses and, per- and persons. Are we tracking? 10-4. Papa D reaches out to Timothy, asking about information on another guy who the FBI alleges is collected, connected to Russians. Let's take a step back for a minute. Who introduces Papa Dizzle to this guy, Timothy, who's supposed to be connected to the Russians. He's foreign contact, too. Oh, Mifsud. Oh, yes. Mifsud. Our buddy Mifsud, the Maltese professor. The Maltese professor no one's been able to find, who's interviewed by the FBI after they interview Papadopoulos in February. They interview Papadopoulos in January. Mifsud in February. Mifsud introduces him to this Russian guy connected to the MFA. Now, I've told you from the start, this starts the whole thing. Forgive me for continuing to mention this. Mm -hmm. My sincere apologies. But if you don't understand this, you don't understand the setup this whole case is. The whole allegation of the Democrats is that this starts with Mifsud. Mifsud meets Papadopoulos after he joins the Trump team. Mifsud says, hey, the Russians have dirt on Hillary. And that starts the whole thing, according to Democrats. Papadopoulos then worked with the Trump team to get that information and Skew the election. Ladies and gentlemen, Mifsud's connections are not to the Russians. They're to Western intelligence assets. Now you may say, well, I don't get it, Dan. If if his connections are, are to Western intelligence and not to Russian intelligence assets, why make the connection to Timothy? Because they that's what they need to make it appear that Papadopoulos is colluding with the Russians. Now, why is you may why is any of this suspicious? Because Mueller leaves that out. Mueller leaves that out. Really? He leaves the whole Timothy thing in there. Why? Why does he leave it out? So just to be clear, April 2016, Mifsud does an email intro from Papadopoulos and Timothy. Mm-hmm. July 22nd, Papa D Facebook messages Timothy about. Another guy saying, hey, you have information on this guy? Let me know. Mm. Who's that other guy? Follow the white rabbit. Who's that other guy? That other guy, according to Papadopoulos' wife, who it would know, is Sergey Milion. Now, some of you maybe have alarm bells going off. Many of you probably don't. Why does that matter? Yeah. Sergey Milion, according to multiple sources, is source D in the Steele dossier. In other words, Sergey Milion, according to reporting that's already out there in public, Sergey Milion is already working with Christopher Steele on the dossier. So let's just follow that white rabbit again. Mifsud. The Mifsud Papadopoulos intro, right? They meet each other. The Democrats allege Mifsud's a Russian. 
Their story is seemingly buttressed by the fact that Mifsud introduces Papadopoulos to a guy named Timothy. In an email, a Facebook message, where Papadopoulos asks Timothy if he knows this other guy, Sergey Milian, Mueller suspiciously leaves that out on his stuff. He leaves the whole conversation about Timothy and uh, and 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 Milian out. Why? Milian is connected to Steele. He's a source. He's the source of the of the Golden Showers story. Mm. Milian is working, according to all kinds of reporting out there, is working with Christopher Steele. Why leave that out? Is there a connection here between Milian, Steele, Timaviv, and Mifsud? Now, what we cover in our piece at Bongino.com, and I'd really like you to read. This is important. In June of 2016, I'll go through this again, but this is critical to breaking this scandal wide open. In June of 2016, Milian is at a conference at the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum. Who's at the same conference? Oleg Deripaska. Two days later, Steele writes his memo that cites Source D, Milian, as a, and, and, and talks about an intermediary. What am I suggesting to you? Oleg Deripaska, who is a Russian oligarch with deep ties to Vladimir Putin, they've had some falling outs, but has some ties to the, and definitely has ties to the Russian business community. Deripaska, was Deripaska the source, Joe? Hmm. Was Deripaska the source of this information passed through Milion at this economic conference at St. Petersburg, the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum? Does Deripaska pass this information off to Milion? Milion passed it off to Steele in June. A month, a couple months prior, he meets Mifsud. Papadopoulos meets Mifsud. Mifsud does the intro to Timothy. For some reason, Papadopoulos is asking Timothy about Milion, who is the source for Steele, who may have gotten the information from Deripaska. Why is Mueller's team always leaving out information that relates to Deripaska? Remember, Deripaska has very deep business ties with who? Paul Manafort. But Deripaska's name, Joe, appears nowhere in the Manafort indictment. None. Odd in a Russian collusion case for Bob Mueller, that's his premise, that he goes and arrests Mueller, has him arrested and prosecuted. It's going on right now. That he has him arrested and prosecuted. And yet the biggest Russian influence in his business, Oleg Deripaska, who Manafort's were, is left out. Why is this Timaviv Milian connection, when we suspect Milian may be connected to Deripaska too, Joe, mm-hmm. why is that Facebook message only in the FBI agent's writings, not in Mueller's? Why is that left out too? Oh, Mueller worked with Deripaska. 
Oh, is that right? Now, if you listened to the show last week, you know that uh, Mueller in 2009 is the FBI director. The Hill reports that Mueller and Deripaska, that the Mueller's FBI reached out to Deripaska for help in a case. For help in getting back Bob Levinson from Iran. Do they have history with Deripaska? Was Deripaska providing information, a Russian? Remember, Joe, the whole case alleges that Trump was colluding with the Russians. Is this really a case of Russian benighted business classes, oligarchs, dealing information through Fusion GPS into the U.S. justice system? On behalf of political operatives who hate Donald Trump to get Donald Trump prosecuted? Folks, do you understand how from day one we've been on this? What have I told you from day one? The Mueller scheme, this entire witch hunt, is an incredibly sophisticated effort to cover up the real scandal here. That Russian collusion is real between our government that was weaponized under the Obama administration through the help of Fusion GPS and the Clinton team to work with Russian sources to gather information on Trump to take him down. Why else would any connection to Deripaska constantly be scrubbed in this case? Now, adding to the intrigue here, folks. Remember, Deripaska is a very, very wealthy Russian with very deep ties to, uh, to uh, Russian leadership. Deripaska has a lobbyist working for him and representing him in the United States. Deripaska is desperate to stay off the Magnitsky list. The Magnitsky list is a, is a list of Russian officials that, according to the Magnitsky Act, who were, were sanctioned from entering the United States and from conducting specific transactions. If you're on the Magnitsky list and you're an international businessman, you're finished. Deripaska is an aluminum magnate. He's worth a tremendous amount of money. He needs international cooperation in his business. He is desperate to stay off this list. Deripaska hires a U.S. lobbyist, assuming to keep to represent him and keep him off that list, amongst other things, Adam Waldman. Ladies and gentlemen, that same lobbyist is in some way representing Christopher Steele. How do we know that? Because that same lobbyist is in text messages we've already seen texting Democrat Senator Mark Warner saying, hey man, Chris really wants to talk. Talking about Steele. Christopher Steele is in text messages to Bruce Orr at the Justice Department lobbying Chris Steele, lobbying on behalf of Deripaska. Are you seeing the big picture here? Mm -hmm. Let me lay it out very simply. Mm -hmm. There is a Russian collusion scandal Mm -hmm. between Democrats and Russians, potentially Deripaska. Deripaska may have been playing both sides. He wanted to obviously stay off the Magnitsky list. There may have been an information exchange there. I brought up that convoluted web of Milian, Timoviv, and Mifsud to show you that Every time Deripaska creeps up in this case, there's some effort by Mueller to shut it down. 
He doesn't include him in the Manafort indictment. The, the guy was doing millions of dollars of business with Deripaska. I thought this was a Russian case. He, Mueller doesn't include it? If you listen to yesterday's show, the texts come out about Oconus Lures, you know, out, out outside the continental United States spies. That's what Oconus Lures are. Between Stroke and Page, the texts come out on July 27th. Everybody rushes, the airport, rushes to the airport to arrest Papadopoulos on a probable cause warrant. Right away. Why the effort to shut this low-level guy down? Why does the FBI talk about an email from Tim Aviv, I mean, excuse me, a Facebook message from Papadopoulos to Tim Aviv about Milian, who we now think may be connected to Deripaska, another connection to Deripaska goes away, but Mueller doesn't mention that. I thought this was a Russian collusion case, right? Mm -hmm. Why is Mueller light on that? Why does Mueller go very light on that specific connection if this is a Russian collusion case? Was Milian talking to Deripaska? Did they meet at this conference? Read my piece, the Bongino.com. It's clear as day. Milian's at the same conference as Deripaska. We know that. He had pictures up on social media there. A couple days after the conference, Steele writes his memo about information negative about Trump. The information comes from Source D. Milian, according to multiple reports, is Source D. Did he get the information from Deripaska? And why does that not appear? Is Mueller not interested in this at all? Now, listen, as I've repeatedly said, if Mueller figures this all out and he's playing us all for fools and he takes down an entire collusion web of Democrats and the Russians, nice job, Bobby M. Unfortunately, there is zero evidence any of that is true. Zero. Now, I got another angle on this. this is gonna, it's, you think the story's weird? It gets even weirder. This is um, family friendly, but I'm going to try to clean this part up because it's a little strange. We're still with you. But that, that, you sure? Yeah, that part. That made sense to you? Yeah, that part made sense. Yeah, we're good. We're I'm going to go over it again in a second because it, it'll tie into this last part, which is really going to scramble your eggs. Okie dokes. All right. But I got to get this in because we have to pay for the show, and I appreciate uh, the sponsors. They keep the show free for you, especially a great company like Brickhouse Nutrition. Hey, I've been seeing a lot of this on Twitter. Um, a lot of you take Brickhouse uh, now that uh, they are, are advertising with other conservative uh, podcast hosts as well. A couple of people are like, yeah, I heard that on the Bongino show. So thank you for doing that. Uh, I was Brickhouse's original show, and I'm proud of that because their products are simply fantastic. Um, today, I want to talk about Field of Greens. Field of Greens is a fantastic product. Uh, we all know we should be eating more fruits and vegetables. Everybody knows that. Your mental health, your physical health. You just got to want to be more put together. I, I notice my skin, your nails, your hair, all that stuff looks better when I eat better. I mean, this is just common sense, but especially when I consume voluminous amounts of fruits and vegetables. Now, a lot of us don't have the time. I'm uh, in travel mode today. You, some of you can see me on The Five later on today. Bit of a road show. I will be guest hosting The Five. On that road show, I take Field of Greens with me. I take it in a plastic bag. It is ground up, real wholesome food. This isn't garbage. This isn't extract. It's not some, you know, oh, look, it's going to solve all your problems pill. No, no, no. Whenever you hear that stuff, throw it out. This is real, wholesome, pure food. This is great stuff. Blueberries, 
kale, all the kinds of stuff you should be consuming, but sometimes you don't have the time. You got to go out and buy it. You got to wash it off. You got to clean it. They ground up this real food. They get the water out and you get a great tasting powder, fruit and vegetable powder. You throw it in green tea, throw it in juice. My daughter puts it in orange juice. Look better, feel better. Everyone knows the key to good health is tons of fruits and vegetables. This is multiple servings of fruits and vegetables in one scoop. Take it twice a day. You'll never feel better. I love this stuff. I swear by it. I begged them to produce it. When they did, I said, Miles, please get, by the way, Miles, I need some more foundation if you're listening. But I feel the greens. It is a staple of my diet and I've never felt better since I've been on it. Go give it a shot, please. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a jar of field of greens today. Give it to yourself, your kids. You're going to love it. It is absolutely terrific, and it tastes great. It's your fruit and vegetable insurance for a long, healthy, quality life. Go check it out. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up field of greens. So adding another layer of just like WTH. What the heck? <laughs> Story from Drudge came out yesterday. There's a woman who is a Russian. This is a quote. I'm not making this up. She is a, this is from the AP, a Russian self-styled um, sex guru. I, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail on that, but she's an employee in that field, let's say. righty then. Trying to keep it family friendly. Most of you adults can figure it out. Okay. She's an employee in that arena. In that space, okay? She was arrested in a foreign country in, in, that, in a jail. Now, she came out months ago saying that she had some tapes or some evidence of Russian collusion and that she was willing to, you may have heard the story, that she was willing to, to come out with it and, and then that someone would help her get out of jail, that she would put these tapes out there. Something interesting happened. They reached out to her again. It's been a little while since they've heard from her and said, "Hey, you supposedly have you, you supposedly have these tapes of, you know, Russian collusion all. You you know, she was it was on CNN and everything." Mm-hmm. Her name is her last name Vesukovich. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Vesukovich, Joe quoting here from the AP story, told the Associated Press that she had turned over all audio recordings to Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska. No! No! Whose, <laughs> whose conversations about election interference she claimed to have taped. Dude, <laughs> dude, dude. I am not making this up. This is the, now you see why I want to, I swore I'd never write another book after my third book. <laughs> now you see why I had to do this. This is the craziest story in political history, except for the fact that it actually happened. So a, Employee of the carnal arts. I don't know how else to say that. Is that PC enough? There you go. Yeah. An employee in the field of carnal arts who is in prison in a foreign country for carnal arts work says, hey, I know Deripaska and I have tapes that can prove Russian collusion. It was She was all over there. She says, I'll help you solve this case if the United States can help get me out of jail. This is months ago. She now creeps back onto the scene because the AP does a story where they reach back out to Miss Vasukovich and they say, hey, what's the update on? She goes, oh, no, um, I don't have those tapes anymore. Um, I gave them to Deripaska and I'll be making no further comments. Thank you. 
<laughs> she here it goes on. She has said that she provided quote escort services to Mr. Deripaska, who is close to Russian President Vladimir Putin and who has links to Paul Manafort, Trump's former campaign manager, now being tried in the United States on money laundering and other charges. Hey, wait, one more. <laughs> it gets better. Oh. Speaking to an AP reporter in the courtroom in Pattaya, Vazukovic said she had promised Deripaska she would no longer speak on the matter and that he had promised her something in return for not making the evidence public. Oh, oh, really? Wow. He had promised her something in return for not making the evidence public. Again, these are allegations. I'm just saying, folks, where there's smoke, there's fire lately. How much evidence are you gonna? is it going to take to show you this was an elaborate setup by the Democrats scheming with the Russians to smoke you up to get you to believe Trump was colluding with the Russians when, in fact, it was them doing it the whole time? Oh, oh, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Just in case you think, all right, I'm still not getting the million angle. I keep telling you, everyone that approaches Papadopoulos, Papa Dizzle's the key. Mm-hmm. Papa D is the key. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt of it. Oh, by the way, we are. if you want to buy Felonious Mopri and the other t-shirts at Bongito.com, we're swapping them out for new stuff. I got right. surprise new stuff. So if you want to get any of the t-shirts up at Bongito.com, go buy them now because we're swapping them out for new stuff. Pretty soon, what we should do a Papa D is the key. Uh, I'll, keep, I'll keep George out of it. But we got some good ones coming. But if you want to get any old ones, pick them up now. But Papa D is the key. They see Papadopoulos uh, on the Trump campaign as a weak, um, as, a, as an entry point. I don't mean weak personally. I don't know him. I've never met the guy. But they see him as inexperienced enough that they can dupe this guy and set him up to take the fall in this Russian thing. Everybody who approaches the Trump team approaches Papadopoulos. Now, they also approach Carter Page and others, but Papadopoulos is the entry vehicle. This is from another Chuck Ross piece. Sergey Milian, an alleged source for the infamous Steele dossier, unsolicitedly contacts Papadopoulos on July 22nd, 2016, requesting a meeting with Papadopoulos. The pair met several times during the 2016 election campaign. Papadopoulos' wife, Simona Mangiante, told the Daily Caller that Milian offered Papadopoulos a $30,000 per month contract on behalf of a Russian energy company. <laughs> July 22nd. That name, that, uh, excuse me, that date sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, that's the exact same date, by the way. That uh, that's the exact same date of the of the Facebook message. On or about July twenty second, twenty sixteen, Papadopoulos messaged foreign contact to Tim Aviv on Facebook asking about Milian. You see the scam? <laughs> Milian reaches out to Papadopoulos. At some point, he offers him, according to these allegations, thirty thousand dollars a month. Milian, a, uh, a month earlier, is at a conference with Oleg Deripaska, connected to Putin, the Kremlin, the entire Russian business structure. Deripaska needs favors from the United States government to stay off the Magnitsky list. Deripaska shows up at this conference with Sergei Milian in June. Milian 
is then alleged to have talked to Christopher Steele. He's his source D. After he's with Deripaska at this conference, Steele, two days after the conference, writes a memo, including Milian's allegations about the golden shower and all this crazy stuff about Trump. He's there with Deripaska. A month earlier, Papadopoulos meets up with, with Mifsud. Mifsud, alleged to be the founder of the feast. Mifsud connects him with Timoviv. Milian reaches out to Timoviv in July. I mean, excuse me, Milian reaches out to Papadopoulos on July 22nd. The same day, Papadopoulos reaches out to Timoviv, asking about Milian, who's connected to Deripaska through this St. Petersburg International Economic Forum. Whew. Deripaska, according to a carnal arts worker in jail overseas, she has tapes of Deripaska and others, allegedly, speaking about the collusion angle. She now claims Deripaska and her have a little deal and that she won't be speaking on this anymore and that basically Deripaska has the tapes. Folks, do you see the setup here? All the connections starting to play out. Mifsud connects him to Timothy. Milian emails Papadopoulos about this business deal. Papadopoulos then emails to, uh, Timothy, who's allegedly connected to the Russian MFA, who Mifsud connects him with, asking about Milian. Milian shows up at this conference a month, a month earlier with Deripaska. Deripaska wants to stay off the sanctions list by the United States. Deripaska's worked with Mueller in the past. Mueller's team suspiciously leaves out these communications that involve Deripaska and out of the Manafort indictment. Mueller has a devastating conflict of interest here. They know Deripaska. Is this coming together for you? Yeah. 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 Now that you're tying it all up in a nice little package here. Yes. Think about what probably happened here. Mm. I'm going to email Papa D. I'm going to offer him this $30,000 a month job on behalf of a Russian. Mm. I just met a Russian a month ago at this economic conference. By the way, that same Russian told me about Trump's golden shower story. This information starts appearing in dossiers. All of a sudden, a guy hooks up with, with, uh, with Papadopoulos. They're all coming and connecting with Papadopoulos. You see the scheme here. Throwing one final curveball at you. The July Papadopoulos Facebook message where he reaches out to Foreign Contact 2, Timothy, asking about Milian. Milian, who's contacted him before, unsolicited. Mm-hmm. And who was at this conference with Deripaska, right? The same day, Papa D Facebook messaged Timoviev about Milian. The Australians report to our State Department about the Downer meeting with Papadopoulos. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this is a complicated case. I know we're going over a bit. I'm just going to take one more minute to tie this up. 
These people are clearly trying to set up Papadopoulos. What they're doing is they're setting up multiple layers of people to insulate who the people literally working for the for either political operatives in the United States or friendlies are. In order to do that, they're introducing him one by one to more and more people who are emailing him unsolicited to disconnect the information from the original source. They're trying to hide the fact that all roads lead back to Russian sources and Hillary Clinton's team that she brought on board. There are Pasca, information, information to uh, Milian. Milian reaches out to uh, to Papadopoulos. Mifsud reaches out to Papadopoulos, connects him with Timaviv. Uh, Timaviv is connected to, to Milian. Papadopoulos asks him about Milian. All this is left out to hide the source of the information from being Russians and Hillary in the first place. This thing absolutely stinks to the heavens. All right, folks, that's a lot of information for one day. Uh, I hope you hung in there. I hope that made sense. Um, That's all I'm trying to get at is all roads lead back to Russian-connected sources that were unquestionably working with the Clintons, and those same sources were working with Fusion GPS to keep those Russians off a sanctions list at the same time. And the effort to reach out to Papadopoulos and separate everyone away, introduce them to this guy, and I'll introduce you to that guy, and I'll introduce you to that guy, and then he's asking about another guy. This is all an effort to layer the sources to keep the original source of the information out of the public eye. Ooh, that was a lot. All right, folks, I appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes. It's free. Uh, iTunes, uh, what do you got? iHeart, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, it's all out there. You can also listen on my website, Bongino.com. The subscriptions are free, but they help us move up the charts. It means a lot to us. We've been in like the top 50 and top 20 or so for the last uh, few weeks. We really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.